Hi, this is Sharice Kenyon, and you're listening to the Beauty Me podcast, all about beauty beyond the BS. As promised on my stories recently, this episode is all about the amazing, beautiful September issue of British Vogue with the iconic supermodel Linda Evangelista on the cover. I'm sharing my thoughts on the amount of retouching involved and... I've also been making sure, you know, I'm looking at other content that she's been involved with recently, such as the going through her most famous moments on Vogue. She's also been on the cover of People magazine where there doesn't seem to be any retouching. So this is kind of my take on this shoot specifically because it is so edited. For anyone that's new here, I'm a photographer as well as a beauty writer. So I am involved with editing images, but mine is so minimal and I have a love-hate relationship with retouching. Mostly hate because while it might be great for the model and the magazine, for those of us who are constantly being bombarded with images that are so perfect, it's it's only going to make you kind of look at yourself even more. And I think we can already be quite hard on ourselves. So I'm going to be going through the main images, definitely going to talk about who Linda Evangelista is. And I will hone in on a couple of the images and kind of zoom in. So when it comes to the visual side, I'll make sure to share these on TikTok or Instagram, just so you can really see what I'm talking about. First of all, I think we have to address what is the September issue. It's the one issue that every year, if you're into magazines, like the print, you know, being able to thumb through a magazine, having that feeling of discovery, then you're likely someone that will look forward to the September issue. Depending on which publication it is, each issue can be hundreds of pages long. In fact, in 2012, US Vogue September issue was over 900 pages. I think it was 916 which I know I would have bought it. I don't know if I kept it, which I'm upset about. But um, yeah, it can weigh, I think it's up to like four pounds or something. Maybe even more than that, actually. So they're pretty hefty, but you would get home and just relish looking through the magazine. As it is quite huge and the September issue is known for its advertising you're probably looking at hundreds of pages of ads as well before you even get to any editorial You'll also find the September issue is often full of expensive editorial shoots. I think a lot has changed, though, even since 2012. We can do so much more in the studio and, of course, you know, in post-production with editing. So it's that looking forward to a next year. And I feel like even September as a month, a lot of people start to think of the following year and kind of get a little bit more hopeful. So the September issue is just always exciting, But of course, print is massively on the decline. It doesn't matter how much I love print or that my background is print journalism. It just doesn't matter. It's not selling as much. Even Allure magazine, which is probably the longest lasting beauty magazine that I've enjoyed, is going digital only at the end of the year. And when I first saw the news, I was so upset. But then I was like, look, it's just part of where we are. And I do believe that Allure magazine in particular has a great editor involved. So we'll see where that goes. However, while we're still in print, while British Vogue is still in print, we're still going to talk about this September issue. You can bet that when editor Edward Enenfall announced that Queen 
Linda Evangelista was going to be on the cover. So many magazine lovers put in their order for a print version. The reason we were so excited for the cover was simply Linda. The Canadian model is one of the most iconic and influential supermodels of all time because she did not look like any other model, super or otherwise. Before I go into the why, let's just discuss the supers in general for a minute. So initially, there was the Trinity and Linda was right at the heart of the Trinity. It was Linda, Naomi Campbell and Christy Turlington, who is my other absolute favorite supermodel. Then... As time went on, the Trinity morphed into the big five. So then we had Linda Evangelista, Cindy Crawford, Christy Turlington again, Naomi Campbell again, who was the only British and the only black supermodel in the big five, and Claudia Schiffer. But I feel like there was many, many more names. It might be about the big five, but you've got to think of Kate Moss, Helena Christensen, Nadia Auerman, Shalom Harlow, Beverly Peel, Yasmin Gowry, Amber Valletta, many of whom are still working today. But no matter how many names I bring up, Linda still stood out, even though she is not one of the ones that's really working today until this Vogue shoot. Just a little bit more about the supermodels. I feel the reason that they were so popular and became celebrities in their own right is because they all looked quite different. Cindy Crawford was the one that was always known as being the kind of curvy Coke bottle kind of figure, which if you were to look at Cindy Crawford now compared to models of today, she was just kind of regular looking, dare I say. Obviously beautiful and also known for her mole. Claudia Schiffer was known as being like a modern day Brigitte Bardot, very blonde bombshell. Helena Christensen had these stunning piercing eyes that even if she was in black and white, um, she appeared in the Chris Isaac video for Wicked Game. You could still see how piercing her eyes were. Then, of course, we've got Naomi Campbell, who's just known for stalking the catwalk, owning it. And she still does today. So Linda was just so different from all of these other women that I've mentioned. She had this stunning bone structure, which I noticed she still has today when I watched her on Vogue talking about her most famous looks. She still has that bone structure. And she was actually one of the first models to cut her hair off. Back in 1988, hairdresser Julian Dees, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, by the way, it's D apostrophe YS, I think. <laughs> but big hairdresser at the time, and he cropped her hair off, and the style became known as the Linda. For that, she kind of stood out because many of the other supermodels were doing the big blown out look, especially Cindy Crawford and Claudia Schiffer. Big hair, even Naomi Campbell, many of her weaves at the time would have been like big and blown out. Linda was the complete opposite. She's actually been quoted as saying that the short hair quadrupled her rate, but that she ended up hating seeing her hairstyle in every restaurant on every air stewardess. Like she's, she's been quoted as saying she actually hated seeing her hairstyle everywhere, which is quite interesting. Another thing about Linda, she had these intense eyes that could take on a million different characters. She had definitely was known for having a chameleon-like quality. She could be that athletic girl on the beach wearing Norma Kamali, really sporty, then she could exude couture elegance the next at a Chanel show. 
or she could throw on a character that could look like it was something out of a 1960s black and white movie. Linda was that girl. Before that girl was a thing, Linda was that girl. In 1990, she was famously quoted for saying, we don't get out of bed for less than $10,000 a day, which is really funny now because how many influencers have you heard of charging 10000 for a post? So it's amazing that that was a lot of money back then, but it's really interesting to see how things have changed. Over three decades, Linda and this ability of hers to transform would end up inspiring designers everywhere. She became one of the first models to make the jump from print modeling to runway. She appeared on more than 800 covers and she became a muse for the famous and equally iconic photographer, Stephen Mizell. So what has happened in her more recent years before we move on to this British Vogue cover? Not a lot, really. Like I said, many of the other supers still work today, especially Amber Valletta, Shalom Harlow, and Naomi Campbell. And then some of the others, like Christy Turlington, she's very much in the public eye with her maternal health organization, Every Mother Counts. But Linda hasn't really been spoken about. That is until September 23rd, 2021. The model posted on Instagram with a caption made up of two hashtags, hashtag the truth and hashtag my story. The post itself was a message rather than a photograph. I'll read it out here. Today, I took a big step towards righting a wrong that I have suffered and have kept to myself for over five years. To my followers who have wondered why I've not been working while my peers' careers have been thriving, the reason is that I was brutally disfigured by Zeltique's cool sculpting procedure, which did the opposite of what it promised. It increased, not decreased, my fat cells and left me permanently deformed even after undergoing two painful, unsuccessful corrective surgeries. I have been left, as the media has described, unrecognisable. I have developed paradoxical adipose hyperplasia, or PAH, a risk of which I was not made aware before I had the procedures. PAH has not only destroyed my livelihood, it has sent me into a cycle of deep depression, profound sadness, and the lowest depths of self-loathing. In the process, I have become a recluse. With this lawsuit, I'm moving forward to rid myself of shame and going public with my story. I'm so tired of living this way. I would like to walk out my door with my head held high, despite not looking like myself any longer. Now, I remember reading those words back in September, and it really made me sad because Linda was just this beautiful woman. And I know that can be used as currency against you in this world. And that's the saddest part for her to feel that she doesn't want to leave her house is devastating. Starting with Linda's words is a really good segue to finally get to the main segment of this episode. Let's look at her British Vogue September issue cover shoot and let's talk about the retouching. So let's start with the striking cover shot. It shows Linda wearing a red bucket hat by Laird Hatters and a scarf that was apparently made by the hairstylist, which is in itself interesting as it kind of implies that the scarf wasn't initially part of the plan. However, when you do look at any content that Linda has been appearing on, again, the Vogue video where she talks about her most iconic looks, she's also wearing the scarf and the hat in that video. So it definitely leads me to think that that has become her go-to. Perhaps that makes her comfortable. In this shoot, it becomes a signature, but 
after watching the video, I'm I'm thinking maybe that's her own signature. It's the way that she feels most safe. So I'm not here to attack that. We all want to feel safe. And this is the British Vogue September issue cover shoot. So, but what the scarf does is it's already hiding something from us. In the article, she does say that Pat McGrath used face tape to give her a lifted look. So that face tape will be going on underneath the scarf. And when you look at the image itself, there's a blurry quality to it. I'm just going to bring that up on my screen now. So there is a real blurry quality. Kind of not so much on the hat and the scarf. It definitely is blurred, but it's her face. Like it's it's definitely not quite a motion blur, but there's definitely a blur there. Her skin is immaculate. This is a beautiful image. There's no doubting that. But the amount of blur you can see underneath her eyes, there's literally no no wrinkles whatsoever. It's extremely smooth. Definitely there's a Photoshop effect in there, perhaps a softening skin effect. I use that myself sometimes in Lightroom which is similar to Photoshop. But Photoshop is a lot more about removing things. I feel that Lightroom is more about editing and refining things. So definitely a beautiful image. Pat McGraw and Stephen Mizell working together, it had to be. But it's as if we're seeing a Linda of 30 years ago. I'm someone I don't like talking about age. I think age, when it's related to women, is often used against us. It's like a barrier. It's a form of measuring apparatus. Like, oh, you're this age, you should have done this. However, for the sake of this episode, I will mention that Linda is 57. And again, I will mention that on the Vogue video, she does look really good. Because the Vogue images are so retouched, I don't know what I was expecting when I watched the video. I think I... Maybe I was thinking Linda was going to be just covered in wrinkles. And that's okay. That's a sign of aging. But because the Vogue images are so retouched, I didn't know what to expect from the video. What I did see is that her skin did look really smooth. I didn't see any wrinkles. I didn't see any fine lines. But that's because the video was shot at a distance. There was no zooming in to see Linda smiling or anything like that. I'm guessing that Linda might have managed that herself as well. She might have said, okay, you can film me, but only from this distance. I feel that she's really managing what she puts out. And that is no different to people like Beyonce who manage their image to, you know, the utmost last detail. So yeah, for me, this image harks back to a distant Linda, a beautiful Linda, no less. So let's get into the magazine. Let's find the actual shoot. The shoot itself starts on page 210. But before we get there, we see Linda and a Fendi ad. It's a double page spread featuring two shots of Linda. And in both images, she's wearing a hat. In one of them, she's wearing quite a few hats on top of each other. And she's also wearing sunglasses in that same image. They've also applied a smoothing technique to her entire face. And they have absolutely 100% shaved off her jawline or jowls. Some people might say she has jowls. If you look at images that we've seen of her out and about, jowls are what occur as, you know, you start to lose collagen, your skin gets a little bit saggier. 
around the jawline. It's not pin sharp. They've really smoothed it out. They haven't given her that sharp jaw that she had back in her 20s and 30s, but they've absolutely shaved her face down. On page 67, editor Edward Enninfall writes his editor's letter, and he shares that, quite rightly, in the 80s and 90s, Linda ruled the catwalk with this ballsy, blunt attitude, this confidence. And he admits that personally he has felt her absence very keenly. And it's really clear to see that in this whole shoot, you can tell that Edward has a love and an adoration for Linda. It's almost like this whole shoot is a love letter from Edward rather than Vogue to Linda. I love how he's put his personal touch onto Vogue since he took over. Giving Linda all these pages and the honor she deserves makes a lot of sense. But I'm wondering if through this homage to her work that Edward has perhaps pandered to her desires. I'm still wondering if it was Linda that's called for all of these quite over-the-top edits, which is what I've heard. Edward goes on to mention that within the article, Linda speaks out on body image and artifice. So I'm just like, okay, how does that fit in? Without even reading her comments, I'm already a little bit uncomfortable because how can someone speaking out about body confidence be also letting us know that this shoot is heavily edited and, you know, adopting this new look of hers? But that's that's for her, isn't it? I can question why someone does something, but she's the one that's on her own journey to self-love or just plain old self-acceptance. When we finally get to the shoot on page 210, there is a truly breathtaking, beautiful, so pretty image of Linda. It's very pink. And she is, again, she's wearing her new signature look of a hat and scarf. Again, different tones of pink. She's wearing a Fendi mohair coat. She is fully covered. I cannot see any of her body. And she's clutching a bunch of these beautiful peachy pink roses. Her skin has been retouched to baby-like texture. It is so smooth and bouncy. Again, can't see any fine lines whatsoever. And even her smile lines, which we all have, one of them is pretty much non-existent and one of them is just a hint of a smile line. Her chin is very bouncy and plump. Everything is like filled out. There's no peach furs on her lips. She, there's no pores even. I cannot, I cannot see a, a single pore and I feel like pores have been okay to show more recently. You see in skincare ads, I'm like, okay, they're showing that somebody has pores. They might be getting rid of their wrinkles, but you know, skin has pores, but Linda has no pores. Beautiful makeup, like a champagne shimmery tone on her eyes, classic black liner, some lashes, rosy lips, just It's a beautiful image, stunning. So alongside that image, we've got the stand first where Linda is referred to as the real deal. But I'm kind of like, "Ah, is she? Come on. The next spread shows two black and white images of Linda. In the first, she's wearing a metallic Gucci coat with a headscarf and a beret this time. In this image, it's like she has no bone structure. The bone structure that we would know Linda for 
it's almost like her face is a flat expanse with no definition, not even a hint of cheekbone. In the opposite black and white image, she wears a head wrap and an animal print felt hat. And this time, somebody decided to carve out her cheekbones. So that really interests me because even if you look at the image of her back in February when she appeared on People magazine and she doesn't have the scarf or the hat and you can see her cheeks, like she definitely has that bone structure. But I feel that the cheekbone that appears in this image has been added later because the lighting is so flat and white and bright. I doubt there would have been a shadow there naturally. So even though like you can see even my face at a distance, you can see a line. But what they've done is they've put so much light on her. I don't know if it would have cast that shadow. Maybe there was an initial shadow and they've built it up, but they're definitely trying to show this sculpted look. I find it unbelievable purely because if I'm going to see that, why don't I see any lines anywhere else? Her chin, again, there's just no definition on her chin. Her under eye, there's no natural kind of dipping in there. And I guess natural is that word that I'm looking for. There's nothing natural about this. There's not a single fine line, as you might expect on a 57-year-old human. As we go on through the shoot, they are all beautiful. And I think my favorite one is, again, it's a black and white image. Very, it's well lit. We see a slight shadow cast over the tops of her eyes which again, I feel like that's something that the hat is doing for Linda. It's hiding something over her eyes that maybe she's self-conscious of. This image is stunning. It's She's wearing Chanel and it is very nostalgic. For me, it's very reminiscent of the fashion photography of Irving Penn back in the 1940s. Very kind of Dior, the new look. Just, it's stunning. The black is jet black and inky and then everything else is more grayish and then Linda's face is very white and blown out so you see those eyes the uplifted eyes it's stunning I I cannot criticize this image apart from saying yes I know it's been retouched but it interests me because I say it has similarities to the work of Irving Penn back in the 1940s but in those days retouching it was more of a mark of honor when you didn't retouch. Even though retouching, I think the first instance of retouching happened perhaps back in the 1850s maybe. And when, I forget the name of the photographer, I'm afraid, but when he retouched an image, people literally thought it was magic. They couldn't believe it. And that that retouching was actually done at the negative stage. So you can imagine the detail that went into that because obviously negatives are much smaller. So really retouching was this thing that even though it was available, many of the old guard, let's say, the many of the photographers of the 30s, 40s, 50s onwards, it wasn't about retouching. It was about capturing a moment but not capturing perfection I feel that digital photography has really pushed this pin sharp ideal and for me there's nothing better than just like with the front cover of this it's when Linda is kind of blurry that is beautiful and that happens naturally 
But I think it's just different for this shoot because it's all unnatural. Beautiful images, but all kind of created in more of an unnatural way. So I'm not going to go through any more of the shots because they're all pretty much quite similar. Linda with glowing skin, smooth cheeks, no wrinkles, perfectly arched eyebrows, and her new signature of wearing a hat and a scarf. As the interview section opens up, the interviewer Sarah Harris writes that back in the day, Linda's beauty verged on intimidating. She writes, Those pale blue, upward slanting feline eyes, probably the most gorgeous nose of all time, arched eyebrows, a jawline of dreams, that megawatt mouth, a genetic accident. Everything Sarah has written there is true. Linda was one of a kind and she still is. I think that's what has upset me about the retouching because when you see her now, she is still beautiful. While I know I said that this episode is about me commenting on the imagery, I still have to read the article, obviously, to just kind of make things make sense. And I was really intrigued because after people had hinted that she talks about body image and stuff, I was like, let me get my facts straight. I'm not here to just criticize for the sake of it. I want to look at the images and then look at what she's saying. One thing that she did say that has grabbed my interest is I'm trying to love myself as I am. But for photos, I think we're here to create fantasies. We're creating dreams. Now, as someone who has grown up being inspired by the fantastical dreams of designers and models and photographers, makeup artists and stylists, what they create when they come together. I really, I get Linda's point, but whose dream are we in? When someone who is approaching 60, it looks more like she's 30 with zero signs of a life lived. She says she's trying to love herself as she is but for the purpose of these images, please retouch me so I don't look like myself as I am now. That feels odd to me because she says she's trying to love herself, but I guess she doesn't think that we will love her if she isn't retouched to the max. As I continue to read the article, I'm finding it hard to make sense of it alongside the imagery. For instance, the writer points out that the reason Linda took the risk of having cool sculpting in her face was because of, quote, society's eternal quest to look, if not necessarily younger, then better. But this shoot makes Linda look both younger and therefore better in many people's eyes, surely. Perhaps if they had stuck with Linda's claim of creating fantasies and dreams, I could make the retouching make sense. But when the retouching sits alongside the writer's claims that society made Linda do something that would risk her career, I just don't think that's a sensible point. Perhaps this should have been just a fantastical photo story instead. So we're not even drawn into what Linda feels about herself or how the fact that she cannot bear to look at herself in a mirror. If you're going to give us fantasy, make it fantasy all the way. Because to read that someone cannot bear anyone touching their body or seeing themselves, that makes me sad. Because it's life is hard enough without people criticizing you on the outside when you leave your comfort zone. But to not want to look at yourself in a mirror, that says a lot. Is that not a sign of some kind of deep traumatic event? Does Linda not need kind of more like 
help to deal with this instead of kind of being given this, being allowed to have this flight of fantasy where Vogue retouches her to the max and gives her everything. I don't know. I'm kind of torn on it because if I was on the cover of Vogue, hell yeah, I don't want people to see that I've got acne. My acne makes me feel very self-conscious. But it's not me. It's not me on the cover of Vogue. It's Linda Evangelista looking so much younger and I'm worried that that could harm her in the long run. As she says herself, all my insecurities are taken care of in these pictures. So I got to do what I'd love to do. And even that sounds a little bit unfair on the rest of us. As per usual, before I sat down with this issue, I posted a poll on my Instagram stories over at Beauty Me Podcast about the retouching. I wanted to know what my listeners and followers on Instagram thought. I asked them to choose between A, if she wants Photoshop, give her Photoshop. B, Vogue is perpetuating unrealistic standards. C, this is different to the usual accepted Photoshop. Or D, give her Photoshop, just don't take 20 years off. 37% of the people who took part said, yes, give her Photoshop, but don't take 20 years off. And another 30% said that Vogue was perpetuating unrealistic standards. I feel that that's where the argument lies. We want Linda to feel comfortable, but by undergoing such a transformation, it's unrealistic, right? It's unrealistic for a 57-year-old to look at like that and for other 57-year-olds to look at her and think, well, I'm obviously flawed. I, I'm never going to look like that. I cannot wind the time backwards 30-odd years. Some of my listeners that took part in the poll found that they couldn't actually choose an option. Instead, they would DM me because they adore Linda. One of these listeners and former guest actually is Jason Lau, who is the founder of Canadian beauty brand Phytosurgeons. So he's Canadian, Linda's Canadian. So he found this to be a hard subject, but he did say that ultimately would another person who is not privileged, not beautiful, not white, be given the same kind of treatment. I have to agree with Jason there. Linda is an icon, but now that she is 57 years old, you kind of hope that she's the kind of person that can tell us, this is who I am. This is me. I am so proud of where I am. This is me. My beautiful eyes, they might have a couple of lines around them right now, or my my cheekbones that you know me for. Maybe they're not exactly where they used to be, but I am me. I feel that that could have been the most amazing message from Vogue and Linda. I just feel that this level of retouching, it can't be doing her any good in the long run. But I hope it is. For me, it's just unbelievable, as in I don't believe what I'm seeing. And as mentioned, if this had just been a photo story, I would be able to suspend my disbelief and just enjoy the fantasy. But we all know that beauty media lies to us and... I feel these lies are just too visible for me. But what do you think? Is retouching fine with you if the person being retouched asks for it? If that's the case, do you think that we, the viewers, don't matter? Do you think that Vogue pandered to Linda in a way they might not do for somebody else? 
going back to Edward Enninfall's editor's letter, he says the project between Linda and photographer Stephen Mizell felt like a heartwarming moment of fashion history. Perhaps it's one that could have been a little more honest with us so that we could all believe in it. Let me know what you think over in the DMs on Instagram at Beauty Me Podcast or tweet me at Beauty Me Podcast. Also, feel free to email beautymepodcast at gmail.com and don't forget to sign up for my newsletter at beautymenotes.substat.com. See you next time. Bye.